Hello, and welcome to the Discovering Hidden Profit podcast for business leaders. Today, our host, Derek Browning, is interviewing Robert Martachenko, co-author of the business book, Discovering Hidden Profit. In this episode, Robert explains how to expand the role of the product lifecycle planning process and how to integrate this role with other business processes to ensure maximum customer value at the lowest cost. Let's get started. Welcome to the Discovering Hidden Profit podcast. I'm Derek Brown, and I'm here today with co-author of the Discovering Hidden Profit book, Robert Martachenko. Robert, how are you doing today? Very good. Thanks, Derek. Great, great. Robert, today I'd like to talk with you about uh, product lifecycle management and um, and really chapter eight of, of, of the, uh, the the book, Discovering Hidden Profit. Uh, but before we begin, though, could you define for us what, what is meant when we say product lifecycle management? Well, that's a great question because what we do know for sure is that depending on the organization and the size of the organization, product lifecycle management could be a variety of things and may report to a variety of different areas. But uh, for sure, what we're talking about is just what's that very first inception of an idea and what are the products that we actually want to put out into the field? And then what's we go from that inception and innovative idea, then we get into product design and product engineering, uh, planning for material sourcing, planning for manufacturing, planning for distribution and all the value-added services and uh, ultimately uh, product retirement and disposal. But as you know, if you look at that definition, you can see that there is an awful lot there. And that's one of the most exciting things about product lifecycle management being one of the core, four core processes inside a business. And probably one of the most important of the core processes that we're trying to connect to the rest of the business. You mentioned um, product retirement is... That's a that's a term that I've not heard. Is it, do companies actually do that? Uh, yeah. Well, this is the thing. Is uh, I I know I have uh, uh, a friend at one particular customer where they have now have an operating principle that for every new SKU they introduce, they have to retire a uh, SKU as well. Um, and reverse logistics relative to disposal of products now is is an incredibly uh, um, growing um, uh, part of business now, in particular in countries where the environment and uh, and looking at um, energy savings and green issues are, the product disposal is becoming a part of that whole lo- re- reverse logistics process, which is mm. becoming almost as important as your actual forward logistics processes. Ah, brilliant, brilliant. Well, well, let's talk about this product lifecycle management. What what are some of the typical problems in in pro- product lifecycle management? Well, if we think of, first of all, product life cycle management and product development and product engineering is a really exciting part of the business. And as we all know, the world today is just changing incredibly and there's so many disrupting factors out there in business today. And what that is, is doing is it's, it's, it's creating a stress on businesses that they have to get products out. They have to get new and innovative products out and they have to get them out faster. So there's this, this incredibly, um, uh, pressure point now relative to speed and variety and new features in products. And so what's happening now is there's a lot of product lifecycle management processes are being done with incomplete uh, long-term product planning roadmaps. 
There's unplanned complexity being put into the processes. And most importantly, though, is that there's just a lack of supply chain operations knowledge or a lack of supply chains and uh, operations involvement. So products are being put out into the marketplace and the there's a good chance the supply chains of the organization simply aren't prepared to deal with the new additional complexities of the product or prepared to deal with the expected sales channels where we believe these products were going to go. So the the biggest problem that's happening is just a lack of involvement across the entire organization, recognizing that we still need long-term thinking, even though we are now being pressured to rush products to market and so forth. What we need to understand is that is that just because the world is changing and all of these disruption factors, it doesn't mean we have to stop that we can stop taking a long term view of business decisions. And the area where the longest term impact is to business decisions is in product lifecycle management because this is where we actually decide, along with business strategy, of course, but we decide what it is that we're going to build and sell. That is a long-term decision. So this is uh this is the the now the good news of this is that if we can just get the participation and the connection that we talk about in discovering hidden profit, then I think we can still have a long-term view, but still deal with the the new the short-term pressures of of shrinking the um, the initial innovation creation stage to the point where products are available on the shelves for customers. Hmm. And and you know you've spoken multiple times about these pressures, and it's and it's not likely that these pressures and external stresses are going to go away. So, in in respect to that, what would be an ideal state for the the product lifecycle management, the product development um, core part of the business? Well, that's the that's the the question, right? And and the ideal state is that from the very beginning point of developing new products or new services, our sales and marketing and our supply chain operations uh, uh, areas are involved. So all we're saying is, because if, if you if we step back and think of product development, the key elements of, of product development, right, you've got your product planning process and you've got your sales channel planning processes and you've got your supply chain network design that's going to support that. You've got target pricing and target cost methodology. So in other words, during product uh, development, during that innovative stage, we're saying, look, at this is what we're going to build. These are the, these are the features we think we're going to build into it. And we believe it's going to sell over here. And we believe we're going to be able to sell it at this price. And we believe that we're going to be able to, to build it at this cost and therefore have this margin. Well, there is just, if you, if you just go through what I just said, there is an incredible amount of assumptions being made there. There's assumptions around around the features and complexity of the product. There's assumptions around where we're going to sell this. There's assumptions around how we're going to build it and where we're going to build it and then how we're going to get it to market. Well, 90% of those assumptions are actually going to be executed by other two other core processes, the sales and marketing area and the supply chain area. So it just makes absolute sense for complete clarity to involve those core processes at the very beginning. We can't simply design a product, 
that may have additional new complexities and new requirements relative to where we're going to source material to build the product, or it might have new requirements from a manufacturing point of view. How do we, how do we can't design that and then just throw it over the fence and say to sales and marketing, okay, we really believe this is going to be a good one. Go sell it. Okay. Supply chain operations. Hey, this is going to be a good one. There's a whole bunch of new complexities with it, but we really hope you can find the right supply base. And we really hope that you can manufacture this. And oh, by the way, you need to manufacture it for this cost in order for us to make any money. Those are big decisions. So it's, it's just, it, it, it's just absolutely imperative that all four core processes, business strategy, product lifecycle management, sales and marketing, and supply chain operations are involved and participated from the very beginning. Mm. So, so let's, let's maybe talk in, in, in a bit more detail around this involvement of supply chain. Um, involving supply chain at the beginning of a process or, or, or a new product development, uh, what would that look like? Is that, is that a, a, a person from supply chain sitting in on product development meetings? Um, is that having the right kind of models and supply chain cost models involved in, in product development? What would that look like? Well, it could mean all of those things, um, but more. And what it, but what it does mean for sure is it needs to be done in a structured and, and formal way. So the way that you just kind of suggested, does it involve some people in a meeting that feels informal and random maybe? What we need to do is go back to, is go back to discovering hidden profit and take a good look at the main gears that we're talking about, right? And the, one of the very first important pieces that we're talking about is the management system. Mm. So, and the KPIs and, and the, 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 the key performance indicators and the key result indicators and the management system and the operating principles that we are going to use to drive the business. So the first, like a, a guiding principle of supply chain advancement and connecting the core processes is that we are all involved in the big decisions. If we, if we think of, of this, connecting the core process of a business is really at the heart of it is saying, how do we make business decisions? Are we making business decisions collaboratively and are we making them in a participative way? So, when we're developing product, it would just make absolute sense for us to be able to say, well, look at, we believe the market is going to want this product. However, we're going to have to introduce some new complexities and some new features and some new service requirements for this particular product. And how are we going to get that done? How are we going to have the right suppliers? How are we going to have the right manufacturing footprint? How are we going to have the right distribution network in order to do that? for the long term. Well, that requires our experts who know about these things. And uh, that's so so it's part of the management system. There has to be toll gates in the product development um, life cycle. In that product development, there needs to be stage gates where sales and marketing and supply chain operations are on the agenda. These are the check-ins. These are where our product lifecycle management and our product development people who are extremely talented get to check in with sales and marketing and get to check in with supply chains operations and say, here's where we are today with this cycle relative to this new product. Here are the assumptions we're making. Here's how we believe this will work. What do you think? 
and then allow the experts from the other core processes to come in and be able to uh, look at the plan and to be able to close any gaps that may exist with the with the thinking and the assumptions being made at the product lifecycle management level. Mm-hmm. So in, in these regular check-in meetings, um, w- would these be the same check-in meetings that you would say invite in the other core areas? How, how would um, um, the product development lifecycle management function connect with sales and marketing, connect with the uh, business strategy and and do so in a way that, that keeps them connected with supply chain? Well, that's what the management system is going to do. And so if we if we if we pause and take a look at, well, what is it that we're actually trying to uh, trying to accomplish with the connection of the core processes relative to product lifecycle management? The thing that we need to recognize is what we're what we're really looking after is we're looking we're looking for long-term product roadmaps. We're looking for long-term sales channel roadmaps. We're looking for collaborative new product alignment. And we're looking for long-term supply chain network design and supply chain strategies. So it's the development of these things that actually creates the connection. If we, if we think of, if we go back to discovering hidden profit and, and the notion of that, what we're saying is that there is business results, both in increased performance and reduced cost available to us for no other reason than our core processes aren't connected. So, the connection point is an outcome. The connection point isn't a process. The, 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 we end up with our, with our, um, four core processes being connected. Well, what is the process that gets us there relative to product lifecycle management? And it's this, and, and that these, as I just kind of went through those four main things, these are, these are the connectors, if you will, the long-term product roadmap, the long-term sales channel roadmap, and the collaborative new product alignment, and then the long-term supply chain network design and the long-term supply chain um, operational planning. What supply, where are we going to source these raw materials? Where are we going to build this, the, these um, uh, new products? How are we going to distribute these products? What are the sales channels? How are we going to use postponement? Um, how are we going to have design for manufacturing? And it's not to suggest that all of a sudden it's going to be all about the supply chain and what e- what's easiest for the supply chain. I would never want to suggest that because we have to be innovative. We have to be fast. Our products have to have new features. However, we also do have to stop at some point and say, okay, because of those things, we're going to be creating new complexities. We're going to be creating unintended consequences because of the fact that we have to be faster and more complex. So therefore we just, it's imperative that we get everybody involved at the beginning so we can be concurrently planning the infrastructure, concurrently planning the sales channels for these new products, which are exciting products. However, with excitement and with pressures of lead time come complexities and come challenges that we have to overcome together. Hmm. And you started to mention a few kind of tools, techniques, methods in there. Um, I'd like to spend a little bit of time just just exploring um, what those, some of those tools are and and, um, and and how we would use them to better influence our our, our product development lifecycle as well as the uh, the supply chain. So so let's take for example network design. Um, 
what, what is meant by the term network design and, and, and how, how can it be used to connect product lifecycle management with supply chain? Well, the supply chain network design is an interesting is an interesting thing, and you know, in the last few years, uh, companies have been doing full designs. And the interesting part too about network designs is that there was a time when a company would do one every ten years, and the design is where are our suppliers, where are our factories, where are our distribution centers, where are our customers. And does it all make sense? It's about time and place and, and it's about inventory and inventory stratification and inventory positions. And it's about how do we order material from our suppliers and where does it go and in what delivery frequencies and are we leveling flow and how much space do we have under roof and what products do we build in what factories? And as you can imagine, there's a whole bunch there and it becomes a little bit of a mathematical problem at one point in that it's highly, a network design is highly analytical. Well, what we're seeing now is that things change so fast. Products change, um, uh, demand for products change, customer sales channels change. So we see environments now where people are redesigning their network once a year to really understand relative to um, where they're sourcing materials, where they're building things. And it takes you into network design. It takes you into make versus buy uh, decisions, whether you should actually continue to manufacture or use an outsourced option. Uh, it takes you into sourcing and inbound logistics. It takes you into your manufacturing planning um, and how you're actually going to be able to make these products in smaller batches more frequently using lean manufacturing uh, lean manufacturing techniques. It also takes you into your customer service and your outbound logistics strategy on how are you actually going to deliver that last mile. Um, the last mile in particular is, is a, is a big, um, area of, of design and operational improvement right now for organizations. And the last mile, which is just that, you know, the last mile by definition is just how do we ensure we get the right product to the right customer at the right time in the right quantity at the right place. Um, those are all part of network design, uh, elements. And, uh, so it's, and the, the one thing too that, uh, I personally really like about, uh, network design is that it really is a eye opening experience for most organizations. I can tell you on, Several occasions after completing some designs, we would report out and executives of the organization would look at the map that's on the wall of their network and it would just be like a light bulb going, oh my gosh, why do we source from there? Why do we build that there? I had no idea all of our customers were over there. And it can be a really enlightening, uh, an enlightening um, uh, um Exercise. Exercise. That's the word I'm looking for. An enlightening exercise, uh, um, in order to, uh, in order to really understand your current state and design your future state for all of these new products that are going to be coming into your business. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fascinating. And, and, and one of the things that is a component of network design and really ties into some of the other tools and methods that you mentioned in the book, um, is, is this idea of understanding total cost. So when we do our make versus buy decisions, when we, um, uh, manage sourcing or inbound logistics activities, uh, there, there's this element of total cost. And, 
And the, the notion of total cost has been around for a while, but it seems like many companies just, they're, they're either not getting into the right level of detail or, or their assumptions are just incorrect. What, what advice would you have for companies that are, that are going down this journey, that are, that are practicing network design activities and really want to build uh, total cost thinking into this connection of the processes? Well, if we think the work that's been done on total cost to date uh, primarily has been done in the supply chain and, and even there it's probably been specifically in the inbound supply chain, the total landed cost of materials from suppliers and so forth. It's the, the essence of developing total cost models has been a big piece of trying to make sure that the, the decisions we make for global sourcing still make sense relative to considering we're uh, adding additional lead time and additional inventories and risk factors and so forth. But for the purposes of today's conversation with relative to product lifecycle management, now we're really getting into total cost. Like what is the total cost of a decision that we make where the decision has originated in product lifecycle management? So if you think of, if you think of, a, if, if we draw a dramatic example where where an organization um, develops a product that is extremely difficult to manufacture and they don't include and don't involve sales and marketing and supply chain operations into that product development process. So then it goes over the fence and supply chain operations, they struggle to build it. But they try because the organization is going to try. There's no doubt about that. And then the product gets out into the field and there's a field failure. Let's, let's create, let's say it's a quality failure or it's a field failure in that the product's not available for, for the launch date. And it was all because the complexity of having to, of knowing how to build it. But yet, but yet, the complexities that we had to work through in manufacturing could have easily been worked through had had our supply chain people been involved at the beginning of the process in a toll gate at the beginning where they could have said, look it, if you can just make this little tweak now, then we will be ready to go once we have to actually start to produce and source for this product and distribute this product. So that, that's a, you know, an example of how it's just so incredibly important that from a total cost point of view that all four core processes of the business are connected. Well, I could talk about this the rest of the day, and, uh, but unfortunately we're out of time. So, so how about we get together soon and we talk about the next chapter? Perfect. Thanks, Derek. And that wraps up this episode of the Discovering Hidden Profit podcast. For more information about the book or to purchase your copy, visit linkor.com slash store. Until next time.